This last month, we've been talking about steadfast. And so far in the series, we've seen that the, there's an importance to be steadfast. It's, you know, to be solid, to, to not waver in what we believe or, nor what we're commissioned to be and do. Um, what steadfastness means. And <clears throat> what I was looking at as I was studying it, and I've been studying it, you know, for a while. And plus, we, um, in the 80s, we studied a lot about eschatology, the end times, about heaven and trying to get an understanding of heaven from Revelations 20, 21. And it all kind of comes together with what I want us to concentrate on now about steadfast. And it's getting back on track. If we don't understand where steadfastness begins. People think, well, steadfastness comes when you become a believer. Oh, your steadfastness starts when you make Jesus your Lord. Steadfast, well, I'm going to take it in the scriptures even, even further back. So if you'll bear with me, there's a couple of stories that I'm going to tell. In fact, uh, once we go through those first couple of scriptures, but we need to come to grips with what what we've gone through this last year. You know, everyone, you know, just says, you know, I've had a hard time, I've had a difficult time. But what we've seen and experienced relationally, societally, uh, physically, uh, mentally, and possibly spiritually, and I think it's affected us spiritually, because when, when you have been affected. I mean, there's been job loss. There's been people who have passed away. Yesterday, we did a memorial service for, for a Diane Kukos who passed last month. Uh, we have people who were really, really sick in our congregation, and they continue to get sick. I mean, in my own experience, you know, um, I, I got COVID. My, just about all the adults in my family got COVID. Um, it has been on a level, I mean, okay, can I just see a few hands, who got sick? My goodness, that's, that's over a third of the church, and we survived, hallelujah. And you know what, it, it should be a testimony when I got COVID, I'm going, you're standing right in front of me, and look pretty good, well, I got COVID, it's like, it's like, oh, I got COVID, it's like, Hallelujah, you got COVID and you got over it. I'm excited. I'm flaunting my antibodies. <laughs> Doing my smack walk here. It's like, hallelujah. But there seems to be a negative to all that, you know, like, because people have lost their jobs. And, and there's, it, it, it has affected our hope. Not everyone. But what I've noticed is it's affected us spiritually. In fact, it's kind of knocked so many believers off this thing of being steadfast. It's hearing, you know, every day at noon, I had to listen to the Orange County mayor give a report of how many people have died, how many people have been sick. And why didn't they give a report? How many people got better? You know, it's like, that's not what you heard, you know, and, and then even the experts, and, and I'm not saying wherever you add, I'm, I'm believing, but I want us to be subject. I want you, I, you need to, 
to do what's right with you. But the difference is, is because of all the, the job loss, the, I mean, some people are really struggling financially. We've become, with all the news reports, we've become more subject to the news than we've been made subject to the Lord. And, and actually, I found a, a, this verse. Okay. Somebody help me with the next verse. Turn, flip it anyway. And it really sums it up. They're turning it on. It's, it's, we, we've been in a situation here. It says, we've been trusting in the princes of the world. The experts. Do you know how many times the experts have changed their mind? They're discovering this like everyone else. I'm going, well, let me just discover it on my own. But you know what? I'm going to stop being subject to the princes of this world and return to being subject to the word of God. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll pray. I've, we've had services for people who've passed away and we're all going to pass away. But you know, there's hope in that. So don't suffer like those who have no hope. Don't, don't grieve when someone you love has died. They had hope. You have hope. You have a glimpse of eternity. And you have a piece of it. It's like, okay. So you know what? It is time for us to realize how far back our steadfastness goes. Because just because all, all this junk that has happened, I mean, Proverbs tells us, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know what? Our hope is getting put off. Oh, this thing will pass in three months. Oh, you'll get another job and yeah. You'll get better. Your situation will change. And it doesn't. The Bible says your heart goes sick. How do you steadfast, steadfastness in that? In Romans it says to be, you know, be patient in tribulation. Well, what's happened, they actually have come up with a term. Because, you know, our families are being torn apart. You know, this part of the family says, you know, wear this. This part says, oh, you don't have to wear this. This part of the family says, wear three of them. You know, I'm just going to wear the box that they come in. You know, oh, you can get a job. There's no job. Oh, and you know what? The differences of opinions, is, it's tearing families apart. It's tearing churches apart. If you've gone through, to, through Pine Hills, I went through Pine Hills a couple of weeks ago. I saw three churches, church buildings up for sale. Three church buildings up for sale. They're gone. This was wiped them out. Well, they've actually come up with a new term. And it's called collective trauma. Because it's just not on one area. It's family against family. It's losing a job. It's poverty. It's being sick. It's not recovering. It's getting information every day constantly. And the information is different from month to month from the same people. What stability is in that? It's like, well, I believe what he said Six months ago, he changed his mind. Is he going to change his mind again? Like, oh my goodness. It's got to change. And you know, even my own life, I mean, I, 
had this dead gallbladder. And they sent me home because they couldn't find it. They sent me to the, you know, the nuclear x-ray machine and the sonogram. And they, after eight hours, they sent me home because they said, we don't see anything. And I'm in excruciating pain. I go, I, I go home, and the next day I tell the doctor, I said, hey, the, the pain medicine's not working. He goes, what the heck did they send you home for? Go back. I went to a different hospital, and they did the whole thing over again. They said, we don't see anything, but something's wrong. Well, when they finally cut it out, they said, well, it's because it was completely dead and had gangrene in it. I said, we're glad you're here. <laughs> I said, so am I. So I come home, and they're going, you feel better? My energy's all gone. It's all gone. My energy gets, comes back, and I come home from church one day, and I'm going, I must find the bed, and my eyeballs hurt. I got COVID. And when you have COVID, you kind of wake up in the morning going, maybe today, take 10 steps. Where's my bed? Where's my bed? And let me tell you, I lost 25 pounds in the two incidents. Between the two, I lost 25 pounds. That is not the weight loss program you want to get on. <laughs> Do not ask the Lord to help you lose weight. <laughs> I'm not saying that's how, that's the reason, but eh, the door was open, walk through it. Uh, you know, and then, and then you come back and you're going, well, <clears throat> the COVID thing went through my, all the adults in my family, like, you know, a, uh, Burrito Supreme with extra sour cream in it. It's like, and so who's going to preach? No, I don't know. And so we're going, do we shut down the church? It tells us, don't shut down the church. Oh, my, did not. You know, and we're listening to reports. We're listening to this, and we're going, for me, I need to be, I need to be listening to God. What is he saying? And it's hard to hear when you're in tribulation, compound tribulation. Not just one thing, but compounding. Financially, friends, there's death. There's real sickness. It's like, I see everything except what God's saying. And this isn't anything new to man. We see this time and time in the scriptures. And we're going to take a look at a couple of those stories to get a glimpse of how they dealt with it. I'm going to read from Judges. Judges 6. Because the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, where his son Gideon, we know that name, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Well, the Midianites and the Amalekites, they both got together to destroy Israel. You know, people who hate each other can be friends if they're going to go, if, if there's someone they hate together. And so they got together to destroy Israel. And here Gideon is having to thresh his wheat at the wine press because at the threshing, the Midianites would take his food or a portion of his food from him. So it's affecting him financially. He's in fear. Uh, he's got a compound trauma. The nation has been destroyed. And he's trying to make, he's doing all that takes place. And let me tell you, he's not being steadfast in the ways of the Lord that he understood. 
And we know that he knows the ways of the Lord by what he says. When the angel, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, the, the, that angel said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's like coming in church going, mighty man of God. And you're going, I haven't had work in three months. My wife left me. I don't feel so mighty. I don't feel like a man of God. And guess what? Neither did Gideon, but Gideon is not going to be quiet about it. He is pretty, he's just reached the end. How many of us are about four steps from reaching the end? <laughs> you know, I'm just sick of, you know, I'm sick of looking down at people. You know, I go into the handy way and I don't have a mask on and to, or people look at you and you're like, then I go in with a mask on and someone comes in without a mask on. So I look at them. It's like I switch teams. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing at the time is the way it's supposed to be done. Though yesterday I came in and without a mask and dared someone to say something to me. I, what was really weird, at the Circle K that I go to in my neighborhood to get my drink or coffee, and no one's wearing a mask. Even the people behind the counter, their mask is protecting their chin. It's like a chin guard. You know, it's pulling their ears down and covering their chin. I'm going, hmm, that's interesting. And so this lady comes in, a grown woman comes in, she gets in line at the handy way to order, not the, the Hardee's, handy, Hardee's. She gets in line at the Hardee's to order food. She's wearing a mask and she's barefoot. I'm getting my coffee. I'm like, I was having a hard time processing. I was like, I, was, I just saw Bigfoot. It's like, uh, I don't think, I think you're supposed to wear shoes in a restaurant, but thank God she's got a mask on. <laughs> like, she had slipped the mask off and put it on her feet. So. <laughs> you hear all of this in Gideon's voice and what he says. Um, you're, you're talking to an angel. You got to be pretty ticked to go, uh, Pardon me, my Lord. <laughs> but if the Lord is with us, why has all these things happened to us? Where are, this is why we know he's a man of the faith because he knows the history of Israel. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Steadfastness. Both engines are on fire. <laughs> We're going down. That's where so many of us are right now. Around the world. What do you do? What do you do? The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save. I love this. Wait a minute. I'm not going to fix your life. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> wave the holy grail or a you know, mysterious chicken over your head and your life's going to get better. 
Go in the strength that you have. Because I'm with you. But something has happened in you that you're not appreciating right now. You don't know who you are. You're letting the immediate circumstance, you're letting your experience, you're letting your steadfastness be determined by what you're feeling right now. You're bigger than that. You're you're before this happened. But we allow our steadfastness to be attacked by what we're experiencing and what we know. And the angel comes along and goes, he goes, I want you to go in your strength. Don't sit here and wait till your bank account gets bigger. Don't wait till you start feeling better about yourself. Go in the strength that you have right now because it's in you. It is in you. That wasn't good enough for Gideon. Of course it's not. (laughs) Um, At least he's polite. It might be a little snippy. Uh, Pardon me, sir. (laughs) But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. (laughs) You don't want to come to counseling with me. I usually do this way. (laughs) As you're telling me your problems. (laughs) I'm teasing. I'm teasing. (laughs) My schedule's clear in case you want (laughs) to... The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites. Wow. Well, the collective trauma has hit him. I think the collective trauma. Here's what he said. You know, I, I, I went through and listed all the things that he said. We'll go, that's, that's where we're going to go. But here's the things he said. He goes, you know what? He calls himself, I'm abandoned, I'm enslaved, my clan is the weakest, I'm the least in my family. Wow. You know, when the Lord calls you strong, don't bring up all the reasons you're not. Don't argue. When the Lord says that you're forgiven, don't dwell on the sins that you've committed. You can't forgive me of this. When the Lord says you're righteous, you're, you're righteous. Stop seeing yourself as guilty. You can't, you, you can't try to cope with adversity without the word of the Lord in your life. There's no way out. Too many believers are trying to cope with this collective trauma, listening to the world, to the princes. There's no redemption. What I'm amazed is, you know, you've heard this cancel culture. I mean, it's just on top of the collective trauma. There's somebody, something that you might have written in Facebook 20 years ago, and you lose your job over it. But you know what they're taking away? They're taking away the, 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 the term redemption. 
and said, what you said 20 years ago, that's who you are today. Thank God I'm not that person. Thank God I have a redeemer. And he, his, he is, he's at the mercy seat right now for everything that I do wrong, even as a believer. I call upon that mercy seat. I depend on that mercy seat because we have redemption. And there's, now there's taking redemption away. So if you said it 30 years ago, you're guilty today. My goodness, what, how do you get out of that if there's no redemption in this world? And I want you to know that that's what they're taking away. There is no way out except <clears throat> to believe what they say you are to believe and say it the way. See, it's, <clears throat> they don't want to give you their opinion. They want to hear you, their opinion coming out of your mouth. And God and redemption and the, the work of the cross is not a part of that conversation because it stands above all that. And anything that stands above what they say is acceptable. <clears throat> so the strength of that story that I read is really comes to light when you put a frame around it. Now, all you ladies and maybe some of you men who are decorators, I think they're called, uh, what are they called? <laughs> I'm looking to Pete. He knows, <clears throat> when you say coffee to Pete, he's going, yes, it's a light brown. And you say coffee to me, I'm going, I kind of have a little milk in it. Uh, you know, sh champagne is something that gives you headache. Champagne to him is a color. Uh, he knows colors. You know, for us men, there's about eight colors in this world. <laughs> you know, red, orange, black purple that's about you know brown but uh i think the term is metrosexual i think that's what it is <laughs> but for those who understand but you can put a you can get a picture and go that looks nice but you get the right frame around it and you're going whoa because it brings the depth of that picture out correct well that's what this scripture does jeremiah jeremiah <clears throat> the lord came to him and said, yeah, I want you to be a prophet. And he goes, what? No, I'm too young. I can't do it. I'm too, I, I can't, I don't have the right words. But listen to what he says. Now, this is the framework from the story of Gideon. Says, and the Lord says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. What? But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. What did Gideon do? He's like, oh, all the things are wrong. He said, do not say you're too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say, whatever I command you, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So let me just put this. God is eternal. There's no beginning, no end. He is in eternity, in that heaven. And subject way down, he creates a thing called time 
we are subject to time. Yet, we have a part of eternity in us. What did God say to the Lord? He said to Jesus, he says, let's make man in our, what? Part of that image is eternal. Part of that image is eternal. It says that he was from everlasting to everlasting. That's his name. I am the I am. He goes, I'm the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's eternity. And here he says, you know what? I knew you before your mother knew you. And I appointed you. I'm here to tell you that our steadfastness needs to start back there. He foreknew you. You know why he... And Let me... If I get away from my nose, we're going to be here for another hour. The nose is like a little dog chain. <laughs> Pulls me back. I said, stop going down that trail. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> Steadfastness in God exceeds our experience and what we know in a timeline. Because it said he knew us before the foundations of the world. And, and, here, and here's my question. In the New Testament, it says that his sheep, he's the shepherd, and his sheep know him because they know his voice. Where were you when you first hear, heard that voice? That you said, there's something right about this. It could have been a message. It could have been a scripture. It could have been a prayer. It could have been someone talking to you. But there's something that just goes, you were this all your life. And all of a sudden, there's something that you heard and you felt. And you go, I know that. That's, that's true. That's how you know. He knew us from before. We don't... We don't judge our situation right now because of all the compound trauma that has hit us. Our steadfastness needs to go back. God knew me before the foundations of the world and he called my name out to be and purposed for this thing. That I have the strength to do it. I don't feel like it. I don't need the golden one over me. But I've been destined because... I knew that voice from somewhere when I hated God. But when I heard that message, when I heard that song, when I heard, that's right. That's right. In verse 8, it said, in Jeremiah, it says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue. You know what he's saying? Get up and do what you know to be true. Do what you've been called to do. Do the righteous thing. And so I was I just going, man, I can't get away from that. I can't get away from that. What is, what is this saying to me? And this is what I came up with. We've been rescued from this world by Jesus because of our disobedience and sin. And verse 8 says, now is the time we must go to the next level 
and get rescued from this world by God because of our obedience to what he's called us to do. We're not done being saved by God. First, he saved us from our sins, from this world. And now he's saying, now that you've made righteous and you know my voice, I will save you from this world when you stand up for righteousness because they're coming for us. You stand up for righteousness and you don't go with the flow that, you know, do this, do that. You can't show trust. You can't talk about Jesus in the school. You can't have a Bible with you. The world's coming. And it's time that we trust the Lord. You know, we trust, that we trust in the cross. He said, now that you're righteous, trust that I'll save you because of your obedience. And that's what the traumas that we've had is attacking our obedience, our steadfastness in the Lord. Man. So I don't know if we've put this up into questions or not. And this is it, John 10. When he's brought us out to his own. You know, his own know his voice. When, when, when was it that you heard his voice? Was it a scripture? Was it a prayer? When did you hear his voice? That first time. That's how we know that he knew us. Our steadfastness goes beyond our experience. It goes all the way back to where he called us before the foundations of this world and set us apart. Set us apart. Those are the questions. You've been destined. And the scripture I skipped over for times is that the, those that he has called, he's predestined. You've been predestined before you experienced anything on earth. Have you heard his voice? The psalmist David said, whenever he was just getting down, he goes, Lord, help me remember the day of my salvation. That's one way of saying it. I'm saying it as John 10 said it. Remember the day you heard his voice. It changes everything. And you knew his voice because that part of eternity is in you too, being made in his image. For me, steadfastness goes beyond anything I've experienced because he's called me out. I heard his voice. I was... Just, I mean, everything was good in my life except I didn't like me. I didn't feel like I was purposed or, or destined. And I was looking out of, in Colorado on top of the mountains, the Continental Divide. And I cried out. I, I mean, I cried out and I knew no one was around. And I said, God, I, I said, no, I didn't say God. I said, I said, Who, whatever superior being, there's no way this thing was cut by a glacier because it came loose out of Canada and cut this incredible valley and made these mountains. I said it was just incredible and put all those stars up there. Whatever superior being orchestrated this. And I was mad. I said, tell me who you are and I'll serve you the rest of my life. 
but I've got to know who did this because I have no purpose and all this greatness is around me. And I heard it. That I'm Jesus. I dropped to my knees. I said, from this day on, I'm yours. Maybe today, maybe you've never heard anything like this. Maybe today is your day that you heard the voice of the Lord. A clear way for your destiny, for your purpose. That's great. Because you're recognizing that it was before the foundations of the world that the Lord said, I'm setting you aside for this. Your destiny is just as long as mine. You're just discovering it today. But you need to rediscover it. And remember the day of your salvation.